Happy New Year all and welcome to On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey, The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent, and every week I will host this Canaries chat with familiar names and Canaries characters. For you this week, he damn well made a name for himself, football heaven is as good as we imagined, and the latest January chit-chat. By that, I mean solid talk, not speculation ruminating. Uh, Leading us through it all, we have Norwich Stats Guru, NCFC Numbers on Twitter, Steve Sanders. Hello. And TV commentator Dan O'Hagan. Hello. Just before we get going properly, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic to read great articles and get access to all 11 of our new podcasts with more on the way. And just by listening to this very show, you can subscribe now with a 40% discount by heading to theathletic.com and using the code NORWICHPOD. Gentlemen, it is great to have you on. Uh, Dan, welcome to your OTB debut. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, just a shame Norwich haven't got a few more points in the table, really. Yes, that's something we have said for many a week. And <laughs> now it has to be said. Uh, Steve, how was your Christmas and New Year? It was lovely, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, as many Christmas dinners as Norwich City managed points. Oh, here, dear Lord. Trip. Okay, <laughs> so, well, that's good. Hopefully, hopefully more presents. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, maybe a couple more. Thank goodness. Uh, we've already, um, uh, on Instagram, bestowed the virtue of your wonderful uh, canary yeah. coasters uh, available somewhere in London. Yeah, we just don't know where, but some, <laughs> some market trader will be doing very well off your Twitter account. Yeah, this is it. Hunt them down. Uh, So we will get stuck into the Premier League uh, chat in a tick. But first up has to be Norwich's FA Cup third round win at Alec Neal's Preston on Saturday. Uh, The fourth round draw was a brilliant prize. The draw has just been made. (laughs) Now it doesn't feel quite so much like a great prize because Norwich have uh, been drawn at Burnley. Uh, That will take place between January the 24th and 27th. And I have said that with all the suitable tone of uh, the trip to Burnley. Uh, can't wait. It's going to be great. Uh, it actually takes place between Norwich heading to Tottenham and uh, then heading to Newcastle. So it's sandwiched between those. So it's three away games. Ooh, you can have a fun January, aren't you? Can't on the wait. Road. Might as well just stay on the road. Um, uh, it, it, but still, Norwich did win at Preston. It was the first time uh, that Norwich have actually made it into the fourth round of the FA Cup in seven, brackets, seven uh, years. And it owed a lot to a first senior hat-trick in only his third senior appearance from Adam Ida. Uh, correct, it is officially not Ida. And I will almost certainly get it wrong at some point on this podcast. Uh, what an impact from the young man. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, not just over the 90 minutes. Obviously, he did it with, he scored with inside two minutes as well. Uh, a pookie-like finish, if you like. Um, obviously, as we kind of know by now, he's Norwich City's youngest ever hat-trick scorer. Um, and it wasn't just the goals, but I think the all-round performance. He kind of put in a shift at the back as well. His movement looked good. He looked like a replacement for pookie. He could be. I have to say it was his movement with, movement with the first goal and the finish. But his link-up play, uh, he was very bright, which we know as we all saw him against Crawley and it was a much harder mm. evening for him. And I'm taking that as a sign of the progress from training with the first team for, for four months. Yeah, and a guy who, you know, it's the way he took the goals as well. Um, the first, but that second goal yeah. and the composure to beat the goalkeeper from, what, 40 yards yeah. um, for a guy who's 18 years old showed a huge um, degree of composure, of belief, of confidence. And yeah, okay, his first game in the EFL Cup was a bit shaky maybe, but um, in the FA Cup, he really did step up and look the part. Just on that second goal as well, um, I haven't seen that much of Ida, so I didn't know what his stronger foot was. So I kind of assumed it was his left and then obviously he took the penalty with his right. So that, what, 40 yard was with his wrong foot as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the header he missed just after half time 
that would have made it a perfect hat trick. It would. <laughs> so yeah. we're not going to call that a slight, but still, <laughs> that that is um, some effort. And of course, it took so long to get in the net. The the, the second goal, I, I know I was sitting there in the press box just going, "He's never, he's never, <laughs> he has." Uh, you know, maybe I should take up commentary. Uh, I commentate to myself generally. Um, now, actually, Dan, we should bring this up because you were at the Toulon tournament mm. in the summer where um, Ida um, had, had obviously a good opportunity to show what he got in quite a prestigious environment can you remember kind of what you made of him when you were watching him play yeah he, he looked the part um he scored two penalties in the first game against china where they won 4-1 they got as far as the semis where they got beaten by a very good brazil a very experienced brazilian team and Ida didn't look out of place at all he looked very very strong and um very at home at that level um stephen kenny's in the 21s for ireland and they play a very expansive way a very exciting way kenny will be the next senior coach for the national team too we know that and I think Ida could have a great future for the national team as well as, you know, for his club as well. Yeah, Ireland under 21 is very interesting because they're on the brink of qualifying for the Euros for the first time in their history, I think. Um, someone said to me so that's that's nuts it's probably a good opportunity for me to plug uh, my piece um, with uh, sort of looking at Adam Eder's uh, progress how he was picked up by by Norwich uh, in Ireland and the work he put in playing for uh, College Corinthians but also how Norwich have had to kind of adjust what they've done with his pathway since he's been at Carrow Road which is which is very interesting and uh, uh, there's so much potential there as we've now seen it was going to be very interesting how he's how he steps on because he's got a He's got a kind of a wonderful chance to to kick on now. Before we stick, uh, gets talking about that, uh, I did speak to him after the game, uh, clutching the match ball while being badgered by Grant Hanley behind him. Here's Adavida. It was a special moment tonight for me, and just like I said, I'm delighted to get off the mark now. Hopefully, um, can keep going. When you get the opportunity to take it, obviously, um, team is a great player, and for me, training with him every day is, is unbelievable. Looking at him, his movement, his finishing, it is great. So um, to to be able to get a hat trick tonight was unbelievable. Obviously, fair play to them for for coming and to be able to celebrate the third goal with them was just a great feeling for me. So yeah, delighted. I mean, the main reason Adamida played against Preston was because Tamer Pukki was missing due to his toe <laughs> slash hamstring. I'm still not sure which of those was the, the bigger problem, um, but he did get that uh, game um, off, so to speak. But he is also a doubt for the United game at Old Trafford on Saturday. Norwich facing Manchester United. You feel quite comfortable about throwing Adam in now. I think given that performance, yeah. And obviously it's a different league to play in the FA Cup to the Premier League, but, you know, a young guy full of confidence and um, who else is there? Um, <laughs> well, that is exactly. a different question. So, um, <laughs> there's no um, Drummich injured. Um, Srebini we've seen isn't quite up to that level. Um, so he's he's really is the next obvious one to put mm. in there and give him a go. Yeah, I would completely agree with Dan. Um, I mean, I think if he, he's going to be brimful of confidence now. I mean, I, I think... Puki, uh, we know, has been absolutely outstanding, but he looked spent at the end of the Palace game. I think it was maybe more than just a toe injury and anything else he's carrying. He, he looked absolutely knackered from that run of games, I thought. Um, I think unless unless Puki is back fully fit, why not give Ida a shot? I think if you look at the way that Farker's thrown in the likes of Aaron's, got his debut, his, his um, league debut at Portman Road. He's thrown Lewis in, who never looked back. Same with Godfrey. He's given youngsters a chance and they've pretty much all lived up to it so far yeah you have to say unless adam does something silly in training <laughs> between uh, between the two games it would be what daniel Farker usually does to stick by him at least for that extra game i think it's a bit different in the premier league i think daniel's shown a bit more inclination to yes. to change it but um you know norwich have got bournemouth at home after old, old trafford it's a game they have to win quite straightforwardly mm. and um you know maybe make sure that team is in a in a better position than than that. Uh, it, you're right, though. I mean, about how Timmy's uh, performances had sort of um, 
been sort of coming to a standstill almost mm. in, in, a, in one or two ways. And there's also a piece on The Athletic stating that it was the piece just after the uh, Crystal Palace game as well. So make sure you have a look out for that too. Um, anyone else catch your eye against Preston? Because we saw Moritz Leitner return to the starting lineup, which was good. And yep. um, anyone else? Uh, I thought um, it was a bit of a return to form for Steeperman. Um, I have a couple of things down about him. It was his first goal return the season. I first goal or assist. Obviously, got plenty last year. It's also the first ninety minutes he's completed since Stoke away last season. He's been substituted thirteen matches in a row, and I thought he kind of justified it. Got he, he? It was a little bit like going back to last season, not just with him, but for the whole team. But that that goal after two minutes with the kind of the slide rule pass it was like, oh yeah, that's that's what he can do. I thought that kind of meant he kept it up in his performance for for the rest of the ninety, really. Yeah, and I think uh, with Leitner coming back, he's been the kind of forgotten man the last two or three months. He's not been on the bench for a, a number of games as well. So having him back, you know, involved in the fold is important. But um, I just wonder where Leitner's future lies because he doesn't seem to quite fit in with the plans with Daniel Farker at the moment, does he? It's a really tricky one. I, I heard about Leitner and I, I wasn't at the game, but I, uh, somebody who was has told me that he didn't react terribly well to the penalty going to Ida rather than himself. Is that something that you noticed? I didn't particularly clock that, but they did actually... Adam Eder, our post-match, said that Todd was on penalties anyway. So um, that had been decided. So Moritz wouldn't be. I'm a little bit wary of people reading a lot into what people are doing without. um, It's it's a tricky one, but um, it'll be very interesting with Moritz because I think he'll certainly want to be involved. Mm. It's been it's been harsh to squeeze. It's it's an area where Norwich are relatively strong, but then a couple of injuries and all of a sudden you're you're back in. You certainly wouldn't worry if he came back into the side at at all this season. Never. And now um, stepping away from the. FA Cup back into the wilds of the <laughs> Premier League. Um, it wasn't the best of festive periods uh, before Deepdale. Uh, they, um, I think they, Norwich are three games unbeaten, aren't they? Uh, but it was still a winless period and it began with Wolves. Norwich actually held a lead four times uh, through those games and earned just two points. If we look at the table, are they officially cut adrift now, Steve? Uh, well, I think in any other season, you'd probably say yes. Um, it, it, it still feels like if they solve the, the not inconsiderable problems that they've got, then they they could go on a run because the performances are there and they have mm. been for the last few weeks. Um, I think we were talking about Pukki's form dropping off. I think what we're seeing now that Buendia is coming into form and maybe Pukki is slightly coming out of it, that they're creating a lot of chances and not putting them away. Whereas the issue before, given that Buendia is their kind of talismanic creative player, was that they weren't creating the chances. So you would hope that if Buendia can see this form through and Pukki can come back to fitness that's one issue solved then it's just the conceding late goals mm. and defending set pieces i think you can see as well <laughs> yeah you can see as well that you know they're not far away they're leading games they're you know in front at half time but they can't quite get the win across the line mm. and it's frustrating because you can see the team is very very close but this league is so harsh and and, and so brutal that you know the merest chink of light and and you, and you get punished you know, even by teams like Palace and, and, and Wolves, they can punish you these days. And, um, you know, for Daniel Farker to have come up last season playing great football, that football has got them so close this season, so many matches, but just not close enough. Um, the glorious, fickle nature of football. I just had a sudden flash of um, Emmy Buendia feeding through balls through to Adam Eder. I mean, imagine <laughs> if he'd been on the end of some of those through balls and finished how he did at Preston. I think that's the thing. You, you, you look ahead to Saturday against Manchester United and you think if Eder starts, he, he might get one or two chances. You know, that, that's the, the players behind him are playing well enough to create them for him. They haven't beaten the last two promoted, newly promoted sides they've played at Old Trafford. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not going to talk about that for the time being. Um, 
can you put a percentage on Norwich's survival chances? What a horrible question that is. Cool. Uh, it's a rubbish question, uh, really. I don't but... know. Is the numbers man, should I go first? I don't know. Yeah, go on. first. 20? 20%? Okay. You go higher or lower, Dan? Lower, 5%, I'm afraid. Oh, <laughs> ouch. I know, I know. Hang but my head. Yeah. I, I don't it have looks to bleak. answer it. That's how it does now. <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, there we go. Let's hope it's not that bad. Do, do we agree they have to beat Bournemouth? Oh, without question. Yeah, I'm going down to below five if they don't. Great stuff. Uh, now. Here we go. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well, Steve. Yeah. Uh, to get started, that's a good noise. <laughs> um, to get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz. I think we've all done that before. And tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A get this. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked, especially for you, from our selection of 100 brands, including established names, up and coming designers and exclusive brands you won't find anywhere else. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist's time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Well, well, well. Oh. well I could do with a stylist, to be fair. So. <laughs> Dan, stylist? I could do with one as well, I think, uh, in my pink jumper tonight. It's a beautiful pink jumper, <laughs> but, you know, there we go. Uh, Stitch Fix, uh, it allows you to save time because they do all the shopping for you. Uh, discover new styles. Uh, your stylist could find great items you may never have picked out when shopping for yourself and enjoy top styling tips. Our experts will give you ideas on how to wear the items they pick out for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co dot UK forward slash athletic. Like at Preston, it was uh, quite clear who was Norwich's star of the show during the festive period. Here's our favourite Scottish commentator and sports journalist, Stuart Hodge, to talk football heaven in his latest Hodge spot. Cue Stu. Emi Buendia is un fenomeno. That's Spanish football patter for Emi Buendia is a phenomenon. And what's brilliant about Emi this season is we've been on a journey to get here. I thought he was going to come straight up to the top level and just do what he did last season. Boss games with poise, assurance and that wee bit of tenacity that is the making of him. And I thought it was going to be an automatic sort of conversion. And although he started the season well in the statistical categories, he wasn't quite doing it in the same way. I didn't think, even though he was affecting games and he was affecting them in, in key ways with key passes and stuff, it wasn't what we'd seen last season. Then there was a wee spell where... Uh, there was just a bit of that kind of South American attitude, maybe, where there was shrugging of the shoulders, a wee bit of petulance, that kind of thing. But over the last few weeks, Emmy Buendia, to borrow another Scottish pundit's phrase, take a bow, son. He's been absolutely brilliant, and he's playing like the player we saw last season, but he's doing it at the top level. And even in games where Norwich City are losing or dropping points anyway... He is standing out as comfortably the best player in the field in the best league in the world. And in a club culture where Norwich City are looking to create value in order to be self-sustaining, I know for a fact that people at the very top of the football club believe that Emmy and a squad full of young and talented assets 
has the potential to be the most valuable of them all. And given that the club's in the Premier League, now I don't think it's unrealistic to suggest that if he was to, to move on, that the club could well pocket a transfer fee well in excess of what we got for James Madison. So my question to the panel is quite simple. Is Emi Buendia the best player you've seen in a yellow and green shirt at Carrow Road? Cheers, Stu. So, gents, have you seen a better player in a yellow shirt than Emi Buendia? In terms of technique, he's up there with the best. Um, I thought against Palace, um, his work rate was much improved as well. Um, he got back and, and made tackles, chase back, as well as some great attacking movements. Uh, the goal, his combination with Cantwell was terrific. Had a great free kick as well, second half, which um, great to save really well. Um, that goal won't come, but the assists keep, I think, seven assists now. Mm. Um, so, yeah, in terms of ability, he's right up there. I have to say, with free kicks, I've, I've been quite critical in my head of him because they always seem to be miles off target, but that was certainly a cracking effort. <laughs> yeah, I... I love him. Absolutely love watching him. I, do, I, I think, and, and in terms of the form he's in at the moment, um, I can't think of another player other than maybe Madison a couple of years ago who was just consistently, well, over sort of a five, six game period, you just, he'd go out there and he'd just be the best player on the pitch. Every single time he played, I, I, I cannot think of anybody that has come close to, to that consistent level that he has, met, he has reached over the last month or so. And it, it, the things he does just makes the uh, going, you know, even in this miserable run, it makes going to the games worthwhile because it's just so outrageous. And I think we're just going to have to enjoy it while it lasts because, I, 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 you know, without w- wishing to put a down on it, stay up or not, I can't see teams not coming in for him. You've literally just read my, oh, my next question. No, but that's exactly it because this is the point with a player like Emmy. I mean, I think there were some at Norwich who were hoping he would become Norwich's first uh, £40 million pound player um that's the sort of thing they're trying to create and i guess in the long term that may well mean they can keep hold of other players um i I myself sort of spent a lot of time talking about him um before the start of the season saying look at this emmy buendia and he then wasn't there but and now he is and a bit of me having watched norwich since i was eight i get really sad when a player (laughs) just emerges and, and you're like oh look at this guy and you just want them to stay for a period so we can enjoy them properly and build around them um and even if Norwich stay up, that probably isn't a chance they'll have. I think Brundier is a rare talent. And uh, you can see the clubs he's linked with that, you know, I think Liverpool, Tottenham, mm. you know, top four clubs who are saying this guy can do a job for us. So I think, yeah, for Norwich to hang on to Brundier would take a miracle, I think. But Norwich will get for him, I'm sure, a club record fee. You know, it'll be huge compared to what they got for even uh, Madison. Um, he's an excellent player and uh, one Norwich fans have I'm sure really enjoyed watching last season and this season am I right in saying that only Kevin De Bruyne has created more chances Correct. in the yes, Premier League this season right. yeah, I mean yeah, that so is yeah. ridiculous and you know, you know the, obviously he's not playing it right back but you know the fuss that's been made over Alexander Arnold and the fact that Buendia is ahead of him in a team that's bottom of the league just goes to show how good he is I think Dan alluded to the fact he hasn't scored yet you almost want him to get a few and that will kind of boost the price tag even more you know Todd has had an excellent season um, and it's kind of got a bit of the limelight that Emmy hasn't got because of the goals he scored. You think if, if Buendia starts scoring a few, then um, people are really going to start talking about him. That does take us uh, nicely on to January, actually, which is the final subject I wanted to cover. Um, two 
moves have already happened. Of course, the January transfer window opened um, probably on the 2nd, I think, wasn't it? Because Bank Holiday was a New Year's Day. That's not how it works <laughs> in my head, but it doesn't really matter. But there are uh, two deals that have uh, have already been sorted for Norwich. Patrick Roberts, if you go over to The Athletic, you can read the story. Whatever happened to Patrick Roberts? I mean, some of you will know because he's been here, but um, it's, a, it's a good insightful read uh, from myself, but also uh, Sam Lee, who's a Manchester City correspondent, and uh, Kieran Devlin, who covers Celtic, which is, of course, two of the clubs where Patrick Roberts has been. Uh, the loan was cut short. I think most people expected it to. I think Norwich took their time coming to the decision, but ultimately felt it was probably the best way of playing out. And he's already played for uh, Middlesbrough against Tottenham, which is where he will spend the rest of the season. That is the Riverside Stadium, uh, not the Tottenham uh, uh, Hotspur Stadium. Is that his official title? I think it is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, not yeah, been there yet. Yeah. That's coming up. Exciting. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it to me, it sounded kind of like it got to the point where Patrick Roberts just wasn't good enough to compete with the players he was trying to compete with at Norwich in a Premier League squad. Yeah, correct. I think uh, a case in point for young players who maybe moved clubs too early, Roberts. You know, he's had loan after loan. Um, he was in Spain last year, I think, went down with um, Girona, um, came to Norwich, barely got a look in even on the bench. Um, and yeah, just wasn't up to the mark, really. So um, maybe move to the second tier is about right for him. Grass isn't always greener, Emmy. Sorry, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, I'm quite, I'm quite sad about it actually, because I really thought we had, a, we had ourselves a player there, and it, for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. Um, I think all three years we've uh, had the same. We've had a player like that. If you think um, look back to Marcus Edwards when he came in on loan in the first year, and then Passlack. Mm. I think in both of those cases, well, we thought, oh, hang on, that, this could be quite a coup. And it maybe just hasn't happened in training, but um, even in the, t- you know, if the team's bottom of the league and you're still not getting in, then something's not quite right. And I think Norwich have had that issue with, you know, all their recruitment comes with a degree of risk. Uh, oh, well, all recruitment comes with a degree of risk, <laughs> of course, but Norwich is probably greater because of their limited budget and, and, and they're trying to do things that people aren't doing and get there first. And that in itself comes with a degree of risk. And that's the only way you kind of save money on it. The only signing Norwich made last January was, of course, uh, Philip Heiser. He has gone out on loan to Nuremberg, who are in the second division. Second division Came down from the Bundesliga last season. Um, so he'll spend the rest of the season there. He's still got two years, I think, left on his current deal after that. So it may depend on where Norwich are as to how um, much he figures. But what that does do is it creates a space in Norwich's uh, non-homegrown uh, quota of their Premier League squad, which is important if they bring someone in, which, of course, I think we're all hoping uh, um, happens. Uh, and you can read much more about that in my uh, piece uh, what to expect from Norwich City in the January transfer window that is also at the Athletic uh, a few loans have ended as well Louis Thompson Simon Power um, uh, Rocky Bashiri are all back from um, well uh, Louis and uh, Rocky both in EFL loans with Shrewsbury and Blackpool off the top of my head I think uh, Rocky's going back out to a club in Belgium that's going to be com- confirmed imminently if not already and Simon Power is back from uh, Ross County uh, not really having the same impact loans are this season as to what's happened in past seasons Steve no. all got caught short early they were all supposed to be at their clubs all season yeah well yeah then that's that's never a good sign um it, it, to truth be told I couldn't tell you how they've all done individually but I think the fact that we haven't had much noise or there's not been much fuss over any of them probably and as you say they've been recorded early suggests it maybe hasn't gone to plan well certainly two of them haven't played um much at all I think um Speculation as well, uh, which we're not going to we're not going to deal in rumours, but we'll deal in what we know. Uh, Dennis Shrebin, Shrebeni, Shrebin, <laughs> Him, yes. um, uh, he, he uh, has been linked with a return to Paderborn, who are 
you know, in a much uh, trickier situation than Norwich in the Bundesliga. Yes, I'd say they probably have a less than 5% chance of staying <laughs> up. Um, oh, my Lord. Yes. Um, I think, obviously, he came from there when they're in the third division. They've had two promotions back-to-back very quickly. Um, I think it'd be a good move for player and for both clubs. So that if that goes through, I think it'll be good business all round. I mean, it cost a million pounds for Norwich. Uh, that would have been in January 2018, wouldn't it? Because he arrived with mm. Anel Hernandez and Moritz yep. Leitner on loan. Um, I think we... Me and you, Dan, have both heard that it's. it seems likely he will leave. The bits I've heard is that Norwich would probably like to sell him rather than loan him out. But also that's probably negotiations and, and maybe Norwich will cut the losses depending on who they can then bring in. But it's obviously a difficult one. It's a shame with Dennis. I mean, he, he's really well liked around the place yeah, and yeah. obviously scored a... a, a, a important goal <laughs> late on at Everton yeah and that that was his moment wasn't it I think um, I'd, I'd like to look, look when he leaves as to whether many players that have made as many appearances as he has have done such a high percentage from off the bench because it does feel like any time we see him as a 10 minute cameo um, I look to be stats I think it was seven starts the rest have all been from the bench I think in, in league football so it's an amazing record yeah it's difficult it's difficult to judge him on that basis and I suppose his other crowning moment was that game at Cardiff in the Cup where he yeah. scored a beauty from the edge of the box. So let's just, let's remember the good times. You know? That's the way. Well, he's not gone yet. It's oh, still, yeah. Still time <laughs> yeah. to go. Still oh, God, yeah. Go. Sorry, I've just done, done one. Don't, don't write him off yeah, yet, sorry. but we, we will see, of course, and uh, we'll let you know um, as and when things get confirmed or, or sorted. Uh, what are you two actually hoping for, for for Norwich, just finally from January? I think a centre-back is pretty um, important. Um, I think they've been caught short in that area all season. And you do wonder, had they had a proper defensive backup in place August, September, October, where they'd be because they were having so many square pegs in round holes for so many matches. They were playing, you know, they were were coming from behind almost from the the get-go this season. So I think a defender coming in is important, whether it's, you know, a case of the horse bolting after the door was already shut, I don't know, but we'll have to see. Uh, I would completely agree with Dan I think obviously that it couldn't really be helped um, up to now but it would be sort of tantamount to neglect if they didn't act in January and then got another injury crisis which could have been avoided um, and I think they've got to have to get a centre forward in I, you know I don't want to write Dennis off again but if, if we're talking about you, you're left with Puki, who's not fully fit at the moment you've got Dermich who we haven't seen for a couple of months and Ida who is an unknown quantity and talked about being farmed out on loan um, well, at least he was last week, um, <laughs> then uh, we probably need one as well. I mean, I don't think they need to spend a whole load of money. Um, I think that it feels like the smart move in January is to maybe look at the loan market, particularly if we don't know what division we're going to be in next year. But there, there should be players out there who are looking for first-team football. So, and you know, have faith in Weber to, to pick out the, the good ones. As I was thinking about it, it must be so hard trying to recruit for players when you know you don't really know which division you're going to be playing in next year and how you actually pitch that to them. It obviously takes some some skill. Uh, Josip Drimic is due fit in the next week or two. Um, I guess the question okay. is when he'll be um, <laughs> next injured <laughs> because it's not been a great recent track yeah. record. We will, of course, keep our fingers uh, crossed. Uh, just before we go, Dan, you got to commentate at Carrow Road in, for the Palace game. I who, did. Who was that for? BT Sport. We did the game. We did all nine games live that night. So uh, me and Nigel Spackman, I thought Norwich, um, were, again, were so close, weren't they? Um, yeah. Again, the curse of VAR. But, you know, it's that's been the tale of this season, hasn't it, really? But um, enjoyed it. Yeah, great being back at Carrow Road. And it was uh, a good game to watch as a neutral. 
Um, but um, yeah, just can't get that win, can they? No. Would you Would you like com- to commentate on more Premier League games? Because obviously, predominantly, you're, you're covering Bundesliga stuff. If asked, yes. I mean, I did match the day for 11 years before the Bundesliga came calling. So um, yeah, I mean, I love my German football and that has become a real passion of mine now. Um, but um, yeah, it was nice being back on the Premier League beat because I have missed it. Um, and to do a live game was incredible, a great experience. And um, yeah, so uh, if BT or Sky are listening, they have my number. <laughs> Never know, Dan. Uh, remember, if you subscribe to The Athletic, then make sure you log on to the website uh, and or app uh, two hours after every Norwich City kickoff to discuss all the key topics from Norwich's action. And that means 5pm on Saturday, following Norwich's second successive victory against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Probably. Yeah, it could happen. Thanks, Steve. Uh, but that is it for On The Ball this week. Uh, the podcast is freely available, so make sure you spread the word and subscribe with your podcast player of choice on either Apple or Android. And if you want to get in touch with us, just sling me a tweet or direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. Uh, thanks in the meantime to Dana Hagen. Pleasure as always. Steve, thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, thanks to Hodgie. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of On The Ball a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. <laughs>